The UN Climate Change Summit in Egypt ends with a new loss and damages funds for the world's poorest countries. But it fails on cutting emissions and in a number of other areas. So was COP27 the good cop, the bad cop, or simply a cop-out? And what does this mean for India's climate diplomacy? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. This is episode 89 and we're going to take a closer look at another climate change summit that has come to a close. COP27 in Egypt's Sharm el-Sheikh nearly ended, in fact, last weekend without a deal. But then on Sunday, they came together with progress on a long-pending agreement to set up a loss and damages fund to help the world's most vulnerable countries hit by climate change. So first, let me just get rid of some of the jargon. What is COP after all? What are the COPs? or the Conference of the Parties, as they are called. The COPs, of course, the COP summits are annual conferences of the world run by the UN to deal with climate change issues. The first COP, Conference of the Parties, was held actually in 1992 when the UN organized the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, where, in fact, the UN's framework convention on climate change, what's called the UNFCCC, was actually adopted. In the past 30 years, since 1992, 197 countries and jurisdictions have all signed on to that UNFCCC, so the whole world really, in which they all agreed to stabilize greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere to prevent dangerous interference from human activity on the climate system. So very, very tough language, tough to explain language, uh, but it makes the point that basically climate change is man-made and that the countries have to come together to mitigate some of the impacts and cut down many of the emissions of greenhouse gases. Now, since then, the convention has been added to, there was a Kyoto Protocol in 1997 that put limits on emissions, then the Paris Agreement, uh, more recently, quite in the news in 2015, where all countries actually agreed that they will seek to keep global warming well below 2 degrees Celsius and in fact try to bring it inside 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius, meaning really that global emissions should be such that global warming doesn't increase the temperature of the world above 1.5 degrees Celsius from the previous figures. Now, the COP26 in Glasgow last year was famous really for the various commitments or nationally determined contributions that were given by countries cutting on how they cut their carbon emissions to what is called a net zero, that the amount of carbon em emissions they put out is actually mitigated by all the other activities, using of renewable energies, adaptation and other attempts to cut climate change. Prime Minister Modi, remember, gave a date for India of 2070. 2070 is where, when India thinks it will be able to be a net zero country on carbon emissions. Of course, many other countries disappointed had hoped it would be before 2050. So what were the big outcomes from this particular climate change? One of the big things you may have seen is unlike last year, we didn't see a huge leadership presence uh, in fact, India had sent its environment minister there. Now, the biggest takeaway, as I said, was the last minute ag uh, agreement to set up what is called a loss and damage fund. It helps countries that are victims of climate disasters and particularly the most vulnerable, poorest, what are called small island states, as well as members of the Climate Vulnerable Forum. We'll tell you a bit more about that in just a bit. 
However, there was no clarity in this agreement on who will actually pay for the fund and when it will be operationalized, how much would they put aside. Remember, there's already a backlog, a previous commitment from 2009 from developed countries to channelize as much as $100 billion a year to the developing world and the least developed countries to help them uh, with mitigating climate change. Now, this fund, the loss and damage fund, was the outcome of a major push by what is called the G77 group, along with China. G77 is about 130 countries, really, which are from the developing and the least developed uh, part of the world. India is a part of it. This year, this was chaired uh, by Pakistan and Pakistan's energy climate change minister, actually uh, the environment minister, Sherry Rahman, was there and she spoke as well. Now, the second big outcome was on emissions. The COP27 really didn't move the needle at all, made no change on implementing the 1.5 degree target. In fact, many even said that 1.5 degrees seems to have gone off the agenda for this COP27. Also disappointing to the developed world, remember, who are pushing the agenda quite a lot. There was no agreement on making 2025, just three years from now, the year of peak emissions, after which countries would begin to decrease their carbon emissions. A third takeout seems to be that India had fought last year to change the phrase uh, that countries would agree to phase out coal. And in fact, India had suggested a more watered down version called phase down coal, because of course, India is not in a position right now to cut out coal from its energy mix entirely. This year, India tried, in fact, to move it, said, why only single out coal? Because all kinds of fossil fuels that are non-renewable are, in fact, part of the problem. So India really wanted to have the phrase, say, about phasing down or phasing out all fossil fuels. However, it was unable to convince participants on that. And a fourth outcome is what we saw really at the plenary and the closing, the deep divide between the developed world uh, the rich countries of the world and the developing countries that still need to grow that appeared to really the two sides spending a lot of the conference cutting out each other's proposals and watering down each other's texts. So how did those countries all react to the final agreement that was announced in Sharm el-Sheikh? Obviously, the most satisfied countries were those that had pushed for the loss and damage fund. Chief among them, apart from Pakistan, of course, was Bangladesh. I remember 20 of the past 23 big cyclonic systems in the past decade have been built, have built up in the Bay of Bengal. Uh, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina was one of those who founded the 58-member Climate Vulnerable Forum, and she gave this loss and damage fund a big push as well. They're supposed to be the big beneficiaries, and you can take a look at the map there and see just who is on the membership list of those countries. There are 58 countries, they make up about one and a half billion people in all, so not the largest chunk of the world. Uh, earlier, I spoke in Dhaka to Bangladesh's Deputy Foreign Minister, Sheryar Alam, to ask him how he reacted to this new announcement of the fund. Well, of course, we are happy. Uh, we just hope that they will deliver uh, their promises because, you know, everyone is uh, short of cash. And of course, the other uh, argument uh, is uh, whether the initial um, amount that was um, set out as a, as a goal is no longer enough. Uh, so immediately after this COP27, we need to start encouraging uh, major economies to contribute more and exceed the expectation because that is not enough. All right, still some way to go. Also happy, of course, was India. 
and as I said, the chair of the G77 and China group Pakistan. Pakistan, remember, faced what it has itself called the worst climate change-induced floods this year. Here is what the ministers from India, Bhupendra Yadav, and from Pakistan, Sherry Rahman, said at the COP27 closing. We align ourselves with the stand of G77 and China and LMDC. You are presiding over a historic COP where agreement has been secured for loss and damage funding arrangement, including setting up a loss and damage fund. The world has waited far too long for this. The establishment of a fund is not about dispensing charity. It is clearly a down payment on the longer investment in our joint futures. It is a down payment and an investment in climate justice. Now, of course, as I said, there was a big divide. And on the opposite side of that divide, here is what the European Union and the United Kingdom said. And they showed clear disappointment there on the floor. Listen in. The European Union came here to get strong language agreed, and we are disappointed we didn't achieve this. I strongly urge us all to roll up our sleeves and show to the world that the fight for ambition for a better future is not yet over. In fact, it has only just begun. Emissions peaking before 2025, as the science tells us, is necessary. Not in this text. Clear follow through on the phase down of coal. Not in this text. A clear commitment to phase out all fossil fuels. Not in this text. And the energy text weakened in the final minutes. So given what we're seeing with this divide, with the new uh, with emission targets being what they are, as well as the new fund for the developing world, what really should India be thinking about when it comes to climate diplomacy? This is, of course, a new term we're using more and more now. As a developing country with global ambitions, India's role in COP negotiations is now you know, it is undeniable and it is significant. And it's raising in particular the voice of the global south. So everything may not be for India, but it's for the whole global south. As one of the world's biggest emitters, India, along with China, is also under pressure to give more strict commitments to cutting emissions. That's something India has avoided so far. I remember India is the world's third largest emitter of carbon dioxide. But then, as officials point out, it is not even there in the top 10, 15, 20 of emissions per capita. Uh, that's a way of looking at how much, in fact, if you, uh, if you calculate across India's vast population, how much of an emitter it really is. In particular, uh, global demands for India and other developing countries to cut their coal consumption, I just spoke about this, is likely to grow. India is the second largest producer and the second largest consumer of coal today uh, worldwide. And fourth, what seems to show, be showing up for India's climate diplomacy is it's still unclear whether India will benefit from the loss and damage fund, will be one of those very vulnerable countries, or whether the world's fifth largest economy that India is, India will actually be expected to contribute to that fund. And this is where India's climate diplomacy is going to be very important to get the best possible deal for India at present. While regional organizations like SARC, BIMSTEC, have clearly failed to build a common voice for South Asia. All South Asian nations are part of a geographic unit. And this is one of the big, uh, really, understandings for India, that there is a regional voice that is getting missed out. All South Asian nations, as I said, are part of one geographic unit, from the Himalayas in the north to the Indian Ocean. 
and therefore must make their voice heard distinctly without allowing political differences to overshadow their common need for climate justice for one of the world's most climate vulnerable regions and populations and achieving the three goals really mitigation adaptation and reparations or lost and damaged now i actually have a piece in the hindu from a year ago from the glasgow summit on batting for one south asia on climate change uh, and i do hope uh, you will be able to take a look at that but let's get you some more reading recommendations and this time i've tried to look at some new books on climate change as well as in particular on the solutions rather than the problem of course on the problem there's no one who writes more beautifully than amitabh ghosh uh, there's the great derangement climate change and the unthinkable uh, as well as of course uh, the nutmeg's curse parables for a planet in crisis both of these well worth reading when you want to look at the impact of climate change also we uh, we have naomi klein uh another great writer on this issue earlier she had something called this changes everything capitalism versus the climate it was a very very strong thesis on why everyone needs to put aside all their other problems and look at the climate change crisis another book called the on fire the burning case for a green new deal and that's her latest uh then there is a book called being the change live well and spark a climate revolution this is by peter kalmus Uh, and he really talks about how you can in your personal life really change things uh, and in fact help with the mitigation of uh, of the climate disaster then of course i have spoken about this before bill gates wrote how to avoid a climate disaster the solutions we have and the breakthroughs we need uh it's a book by bill gates so i don't need to say more uh, but certainly a thoughtful look at what we really need to do uh there's this one coming out soon called the great melt accounts from the front line of climate change it's out on january 1st by alister doyle uh, and it really crosses across the world looking at front line climate change states uh and this really is by one of my favorite authors it's just out i haven't been able to read it yet uh, but john key writes often on india writes on south asia and he's now written a book called himalaya exploring the roof of the world but he looks very closely and how climate change is affecting the himalayas from the glaciers into the riverine populations an older book i've spoken about it before by daniel yergin called the price is about the need for fossil fuels and oil in particular two books on india uh, particularly one is called india in a warming world integrating climate change and development this is edited by navroz dubash who is really one of india's largest biggest voices are uh, very well known on the issues of climate change in india has been tracking it for years uh, and another book called climate solution india's climate change crisis and what we can do about it written by mridula ramesh a very simple uh, simply written uh, easy to understand book on india's challenges uh, we hope you do enjoy reading some of these and don't get put off by a lot of the jargon we'll keep trying to simplify things for you here on world view but for now from the team here thanks for watching